Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 168 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. You still sound exactly the same. My name is Elvis. <laughs> and my name's Barb. What's happening, Barb? How are you? I'm good. It's Thursday, so we usually don't do this on a Thursday because you're traveling to Orlando, I think, tomorrow, right? You are crazy out of the loop. It's Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess I am busy then. There you have it. We are recording this early because of the FDLA. There's nothing like going to a weekend show not having Monday's episode done, so we thought we'd knock it out. And here you have it. Yeah. Since this is being released after the event, we don't know how FDAL is going to go, but I'm sure somewhere along the line I'll see an alligator in the convention hall. Oh my god. You know you're from Chicago when you want to see an alligator. <laughs> I thought they were all over the place down there. They are, actually. Okay, there you go. You can take a picture of it. Every time I turn on the news and it has something to do with Florida, there's usually an alligator involved. Yep, we've got like three here. Like at your lab? Yep. Do you put them to work? What do they do, model work? No, they're in the one store. Oh. <laughs> CAD design? What do they do? I'll send you a picture the next time I see one. That's crazy. Oh, remember last week when we talked to the ladies that are putting on the Ladies of the Mill Summit next month? This all-female speaker lineup is sure to be a great event. So July 23rd to the 24th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Voices from the Bench will be there both days. We're going to record anybody willing to sit down with us and some that are not, but I can persuade them. And of course, we'll be at the Preet booth, so come find us. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to that show. I think there's going to be some great speakers, some great attendees. So it's still June, and we are still looking for audio thanks from listeners to celebrate Dental Technician and CDT Appreciation Month. It is super easy to do. I don't know why you haven't done it already. Just record yourself on your phone or computer and email it to us at info at voicesfromthebench.com and Barb and I will play it on the podcast. It gives you a chance to give a big shout out to those who have helped you in your career. Or maybe you're a lab owner or manager that wants to thank their whole team. How about a sales rep that wants to thank their whole territory? Or even a dentist, if they even do this, thanking their lab. It can be so many different things as long as it celebrates and shows appreciation for our, our amazing industry. <laughs> for our amazing industry. And of course, because nobody was motivated enough to do it, we didn't get any this week. But there's still two weeks left in the month. So please send us your thanks. All right, guys, come on. So this week we had a chance to have someone on the podcast that we've been trying to get on the podcast even before we started the podcast. I think you said podcast too many times. Well, Just... I want everyone to know what they're listening to. All right. But maybe he was waiting for the right time because now he's doing something even better than what he was doing when we originally asked him. Norbert Almer is no stranger to our industry. Norbert and Serona Lab were used in the same sentence for many years. But now he's putting together a group of labs to share savings and success called Growth 3X. Norbert talks about how he got into the dental lab sales, 
then connected with Serona, bringing it to the United States with dense supply, and how and why he started Grow3x, and how it can help any lab reach goals that might not have been possible. So join us as we chat with Norbert Ulmer. Elvis, when your lab was getting busy again after the shutdown, how the heck did you handle all of the extra work? It definitely came back a lot quicker than we expected. And the nice thing is that we have amazing partner to labs in the industry, Alien Milling. Not only did they handle all the designs that we were not prepared to do, but they could also handle any milling we needed done. So, you know, one of the buzzwords is that the outsourced design centers lack consistency. Did you see any of that? Was that an issue? Not at all. Not only was everything back to us the next day, all the designs were done here in the U.S. with a team of dedicated technicians that gave us what we like to call straight-to-mill designs. So basically, that's no adjustments needed in my language. Pretty much. You didn't have to open up 3Shape to make sure it looked okay. It went straight to the mill. And if the case was super complex, we just let them mill it. No matter if it was a zirconia crown, Emacs, an abutment, titanium bars, or even dentures. I had no idea they do all of that. So how is their turnaround times? We all know that that's the most difficult part of outsourcing work. You know, you just don't know. Absolutely. Most services are done next day. From crowns to bars, even the iVotion digital denture next day. Wow. Seriously, next day? That's amazing. Yep. What if I want to have Alien mill some of my crowns, but also mill my own? Do you think the doctors will know the difference? You know, believe it or not, they're not just a milling center. Alien Milling also provides the discs of the same zirconia and can set you up with one of their amazing mills so you can produce the same quality restorations that you want your lab to be known for. Wow. Sounds out of this world, totally amazing. What is the best way to find out more about Alien Milling? You can give them a call at 844-ZIRCONIA. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty fancy. That's 844-947-2664. Or head over to alienmilling.com to see all the services and products they offer. I'm going to do it. Thank you. We appreciate your support of our podcast, Alien Milling. Voices from the Bench. The Interview really good with last names he always pronounces them incorrectly so yeah. i'll help them though i promise when i first <laughs> moved here and still today i probably spell my name like five times every day at least, <laughs> at least with every new person i meet i'm sure you do yep all right we'd like to welcome to the podcast good friend and longtime dental lab guru norbert ulmer how are you sir i'm doing great Thank you. Good to be here. Norbert, I met you with Dent Supply Serona. You were big in the lab industry of, of their company. You gave me my first speaking engagement, which I still, I don't know if I'm thanking you for that or not, but uh, I appreciate was that? it. That was at uh, you don't lab, even lab Marketing it's Summit. Been a marketing summit. <laughs> lab Marketing Summit. I had that to think about be- it. Yeah, great time. So Norbert, welcome to the podcast. How did you end up where you are? How did you even get into the dental lab industry? Were you ever in a lab? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's <laughs> when I started out, 
early in my life, I always wanted to be in, in control of my own life. Let's put it this way. But obviously, you know, as a young teenager, as a young man, you know, kind of broad parameters, but you don't really know any specifics. So, so I knew oh, I like yeah. I like traveling. I like maybe languages. I like meeting other people, and I I like to have fun and and just explore the world. But then, you know, how I, how am I going to do this? You know, I, I had no clue actually. And then, you know, as as time came, you know, I graduated from school in Germany back then. We had a military service, so I I, I did my military service, and there was a good time to kind of think a little bit more. I, I was a a medic in the unit where I was in. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I was in a in a tank battalion, which was actually pretty cool. Big guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. and uh but that kind of was my first introduction maybe uh, into the medical field if you want to say so i was the the assistant to our camp physician and so that was a very interesting time and um but after that i i kind of thought maybe you know i want to become a a physician or something like this but you know school grades were not necessarily that they would allow me into (laughs) medical school right away Sure. (laughs) That's what kept me out of medical school, too. Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, what what else am I passionate about? Well, you know, I've always enjoyed our our family trips to Italy, and I like Italian food and and all the things associated with Italy. Why don't you go to Italy for a little while? And so I took a year off, and I went to Florence in Italy, and I did what I would call now, I studied language and art. Mm -hmm. So... I basically was in a language school in, in Florence, Italy, and in the mornings and in the afternoon, I was strolling around, you know, the streets of Italy, of, of Florence and just enjoying the time, kind of thinking about, okay, what, what, what do I want to do, but also kind of doing something that I've enjoyed along the way already. And so through this year, then I decided, yeah, I, I want to get into marketing. Marketing had kind of like this appeal of the big wide world and the area that I was living in. Yeah, there were some companies and Computers, cars, all these kinds of industries, they're they are also kind of appealing, but mm-hmm. there was nothing really in my area. So I started looking around and Cavo, uh, Cavo was actually oh, sure. I, where I grew up. And so I sent out applications here and there. And all of a sudden I was lucky enough to, to basically get accepted with Cavo EWL. Cavo EWL was Cavo's lab division at the time. Mm-hmm. And... I had no clue what dental technicians would do or what dental technology is. But uh, I mean, my mom was just glad that the son got a job. And, <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I'm glad too. Uh, I was excited that I was accepted. And then I basically started working with Cavo. Um, we had at a time, like maybe it's called uh, a sandwich course. So it, it was basically... Um, a marketing program in a college that was also sponsored by companies. So, so Cable sponsored me and like half the time I was um, in college and the other half I was in the company and they kind of followed me through different departments. I, I got to co-travel with some of their uh, planners, with some of their salespeople. And they, they really uh, showed me from the grounds up how the lab workflow is. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of lab planning at the time. And uh, so that was a very good experience. After that, uh, after the three years of my marketing program that I took with them, I continued working with Cavo and they sent me to 
Cavo UK to get some sales experience. And I had a sales territory in the, in the Southeast of England. Mm. That was an exciting time. I got a flashy car, company Ooh. car, which was really cool. I got one of these brick Motorola phones. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. The first phone bill I probably got had nothing to do with work. They were all to, to my parents, to my friends bragging that I was that I was on a cell phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, little by little, fun transitioned more and more into work. And I had a, a great time basically calling on laboratories and trying to sell their canine handpiece or their polishing lathe or their sandblaster. I, at the time, kind of defined cable quality in pounds because mm. everything was always heavy. And mm. uh, British labs, they were either in the attic or in the basement. And uh, no matter where you went in, the windows were closed. A Bunsen burner was on the highest flame. Uh, it was hot. You were wearing, kind of in England, a suit and tie. The equipment was heavy. You, you hold it all in. And by the time you were ready for your demo, you were all sweaty. And they said, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> and then, of course, you started sweating even more. But it was good sweat in the end. So, so hold on. So it was either in the basement or the attic. Yes. All the labs that I, and I had even, you know, I had like, what is it called? I think Downing's, what is that street? There's a, uh, I don't remember anymore. There's a, in downtown in London, uh, uh, Harley street, Harley street in London. Uh, there's kind of the main address for the dental offices in London. And I mean, their carpets are like, I mean, you walk into the waiting room, the carpets are like, three inches deep. I mean, you always sink, almost sink in. Right? <laughs> of course, they dedicate all the space for the patients and for the operators at a time, at least. Wow. The labs, they were either either in the downstairs or in the, uh, in the attic. So, yeah. But that then basically, yeah, gave me my first sales experience. And then, and then I uh, went back to Germany and I worked for Cavo as a sales manager. I was a regional man sales manager for Southeast Asia. Wow. So that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting because that was kind of at the time when there was a lot of outsource work, both from Europe and especially from the U.S., uh, going to the Philippines. Uh -huh. And I kind of I I called on these labs, and they were they were all just in the startup, in the startup phase. But very quickly, I mean, with a, within a short you know two years that I kind of kept traveling there. I mean, there was just tremendous growth. It was very interesting to see how, how that business developed. But also, of course, it was very adventurous for for me to, to travel to, to places like, you know, the Philippines, Singapore, and, and, and stuff like this. And I've always enjoyed education and further developing myself. And, and it was uh, kind of like maybe three years into this whole tenure that I decided to, you know, I want to go back to school. I want to leave Cairo and do an MBA. And that's when I left, I think it was in 1997, 98. And I went to Berlin and I did a, an MBA in general management, which was a great experience to kind of organize my thoughts. You know, everything that I've learned in my bachelor's basically degree, most of the things I, I learned, but I didn't really understand. And uh, then, you know, once I got to work, I got a lot of hands-on practical experience, but uh -huh. it was good for me to now go back to academia and kind of organize and put everything into a, a better framework. And that MBA was very helpful for me for that. Was that a four-year program? Uh, no, it was a 15-month program. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it was full time, but it was packed. But it was uh, an international program. There were lots of Asian students as well. And, and I actually then ended up doing an internship. The university that I was in at uh, in Berlin, they had a partnership with a Chinese university. Uh-huh. And uh, I was able to do an internship in China for two months at a time. Wow. Which was basically, this was in southwestern China, in Chengdu. And that was just at a time when basically a few years before they, they opened up to Westerners, these parts of the country. And, mm-hmm. and when I was out in the streets, it happened fairly frequently that little kids, they just stared at me because they had never seen a Caucasian man. Right? Wow. Seen a Caucasian. So that was very, a very interesting experience, but it all fit my bill because I wanted to explore uh, the world and discover the world. So it was uh-huh. fantastic. And then I basically came back and I said, okay, so what am I going to do now? Am I going to stay in the dental industry or now that I have an MBA? Yeah, I mean, I can't do anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then I also kind of thought, yeah, but you know, dental is kind of what you know and what you've started to like. And lucky enough, Serona had a job out uh, at the time uh, they were looking for a Serec product manager Italy and I thought Damn, I knew it Italy was good for something <laughs> so, <laughs> so I applied for that position and because probably it was just a bunch of luck but uh, but but maybe also because of the, the the Cavo experience and the Italian that I had at the time that then let, allowed me into Serona and, and when I joined, when I joined Serona in 1999, they were still on CEREC 2. But basically the first day on my job, they walked me down in the basement and they, you know, unlocked one door and then unlocked another door. And then they said, look at this. This is what we're going to launch next year. Mm. And you better sit down and learn because in a month from now, you're going to give a presentation to the sales team. And as you now know, Elvis, Salespeople can be rough with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So there was a lot of motivation for me. But that was very exciting because I, I was then able to basically launch Serec 3 in Italy. And uh, since Serec 3 was also the first unit, the first Serec unit that separated the digital impression unit from the milling unit, there was basically the opportunity for Serona to explore lab applications hmm. and since i again had that cable ewl that cable lab background i said hey i want to take this project there was nobody at serona that that had any lab experience or lab background so let's call it maybe you know in the in, in the world of the blind the one-eyed man is king so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I was maybe the one-eyed man but i wanted to have my own baby and and so Leading that Serac uh, in lab project allowed me to have my own baby and start basically the lab division for for Serona. Wow! And yeah, that was very 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 interesting because that the whole development was probably for about a year. We started out with uh, Vita Inserum. They had these Inserum blocks. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember those. Right. Oh, yeah. And all the yeah, and all you basically could do were copings and mm-hmm. three-unit bridge substructures. God, I remember that. Wow. It was a 2D software with sagittal views, and uh, it was very interesting, actually. <laughs> to, 
to think that we were able to to get a, a, a crown coping out of that unit, but it worked. And uh, yeah, one other interesting aspect was actually that we included a scanner on one of the milling motors. And so in order to scan the model, we used the same milling unit as where we were then later milling any copings. And so that was very interesting uh, from a technical standpoint. What was so cool, you know, when I started then going around from lab to lab with the Saragin lab unit, I called it, this is, you know, you think CAD-CAM is going to be productive for your lab? No, no. In the first four weeks, at least, this is going to be a production killer because everybody from the lab always got up from the bench and they they went through the touch process and then through the milling and, you know, they... They didn't sit down until that unit finally, you know, came out and they could put it on the model. The nice thing with Inserum at the time was, you know, it didn't shrink. So you could immediately check the fit. Uh, and of course, this is what everybody was looking for at the time because there was still a lot of doubt towards this type of technology. Mm-hmm. So uh, once that, that unit was initially launched in Central Europe, the next step was to bring it to the US. And I kind of said, you know, I want to do this. Because again, it kind of I wanted to continue to explore the world. I, to me, you know, the U.S. market is probably from a marketing perspective the most exciting market in the world because it's one language, it's a massive market, and with a lot of entrepreneurial minds. And uh-huh. so I said I want to do that. And at first, they didn't really want to let me go because yeah, there was nobody else who could, who could do anything on lab. But then I was able to kind of got like three months out of my boss. And then three months turned into yeah three years, and now <laughs> twenty years later. This year it's been twenty years since I since I came here. Wow! And yeah, and I'm still here, and it's been the the most wonderful time of my life. Wow! Yeah, uh, but initially, you know, as I say, initially it was kind of lonely because there I, I was in lab, I was lab for Serona. It was very very funny. One day I had like. I was already in Charlotte and I had a conversation with my boss in Germany at the time. And it was a long conversation, a very good conversation. We touched on so many topics. And, you know, he said, you know, Norbert, we really should do this. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And then, Norbert, you know, we we really should do this. And I said, oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's do it. This is awesome. You know, and then, you know, we we should do that as well. Isn't that cool? Oh, yeah, (laughs) fantastic. And then at some point he said, you know, Norbert, and, and when I say we, that, I actually mean you, right? Just so that we understand each other. Sounds like a marriage. <laughs> so while it was kind of uh, lonely from a, let's say, a organizational standpoint, it actually never was because I think, you know, you, you can't do anything by yourself. And, and luckily, early on, you know, I had and found some mentors and some people that kind of took me under their wings and helped me along the way. My my first boss at Sirona, actually, his name was Willy Schneider. He was, he was actually working with François Duré at the time, so the the father of dental cat camp. And so he gave me a lot of opportunity, and you know he allowed me to kind of make mistakes, and then uh, uh, coached and mentored me in the right direction. That was really good. There were many, many more people that I met along the way. When I first came here, uh, there was this coworker of mine. His name is Buddy Orton, and he and I, we traveled basically the the post-9-11 world of the U.S., and we were, he was always, you know, laughing at me because because I had a German passport. I mean, I got, like, always pulled out by TSA, and they were, <laughs> you might, I mean, I was yeah. a, a man in his 30s, right, right after 9-11, a foreigner, and 
And he was just standing there tipping with his toe and saying, are you done yet? Are you done yet? And yeah. I did every TSA checkpoint. It happened the same again. He was just smiling and they checked me. <laughs> but what was always interesting there is, is this kind of like something that always I always remembered. He always, you know, when we were getting ready for another trip, he said, hey, Norbert, let's go and create some memories. And that was kind of his mind, his, his you know, mindset about how to go about things and you know, I have my own company today and it's called Grow3x and my tagline is designing memorable experiences. Mm. And it is something that, that, that has always resonated with me uh, in a sense that, you know, you want to enjoy the journey. It's not just about the destination. It's about the journey. And so he was very influential in kind of setting the, the basis for this kind of mindset. When we started in lab here in the US, uh, that was also pretty much the time of, you know, when Facebook first came out. Mm -hmm. Facebook turned out to become very interesting and very instrumental to everything that I've been doing back then and, and what I'm doing now. Social media, of course, it has grown since then from Facebook. But, you know, uh, we uh, with InLab, we were up against like the, the 3M Lava system at the time and the Dense Fly Circle system. And, and these companies, they had picked like a, a top-down strategy. They, they were going after the big dogs, of the, after the big labs, and they were trying to, to really find some allies to make a big impact with a few players, especially Circle at the time. They spent millions of dollars in creating some dentist pool campaigns to, to get the dentists prescribed Circon and then, you know, later on, uh, Lava did the same, 3M Lava did the same. Yeah. I was not, I was, um, we, we did not dedicate this amount of money for these kind of activities. And, and I, I didn't get that, that budget. So, so I took the opposite approach. My approach was that if they go top down, I'll go bottom up. And, and bottom up basically for me meant that I'm going to go to, if they go to the big guys, I go to the small guys. Hmm. So I was going basically to all the small laboratories uh, and uh, we just started basically putting one in-lab system into another. And while basically they were looking after, hey, outsource, we were saying, you know, take charge of your own business. You know, many of the smaller labs, they felt kind of threatened. By this capital-intensive equipment that was out there, we were kind of reasonably priced. We were like thirty-five thousand dollars at the time uh, with the um, it was called the compact unit at the time, the Seragin mm -hmm. lab, and that was kind of an overseeable expense. And so my goal early on has been basically to to kind of enable the small size laboratories to to be competitive and to become competitive and and take and keep their space in this market and also grow. Mm -hmm. within their means and so facebook was instrumental because there were then these study groups evolving and uh, mohammed al-zubi from canada he's now with micro and he was basically the first one he started the the in-lab facebook study group and uh, initially it was kind of like him frankie acosta and jay black and and they were just kind of exchanging you know, tips and tricks and helping each other and once i kind of met those guys then my goal was to to enable them to be successful because I knew if I enable them, then they will enable each other. And so my strategy has always been to be an enabler for uh, for those who want to be enabled. Hmm. It's a, it's a choice. Not everybody wants to, right? Yeah. So 
but that has always been my 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 path. And I was just this morning I checked on that on that study group. It's now called differently, but it's now it has like eleven thousand members. So it has grown grown wow. quite quite a bit. Yeah. So one one thing led to another. One person basically led to another. And you know, for me, I've never made drawn a line between my work and my life, or what people call like the the work life balance. Mm-hmm. For me, this is all one. And dental has become basically my life. Um, And my best friends, all my friends are basically in and from dental. Yeah. My wife and I, we had our church wedding like two two years ago. I mean, my best man was Frankie Acosta. My groomsmen were Jay Black, Javier Vasquez, and uh, Daniel Vasquez. And everybody basically in my life, it's all intertwined. Many of our spouses, you know, they, they get sure. along well with each other. And so it is, I would say, a way of life. It's not a job. It's a way of life. And it's very, very enjoyable. We hear that a lot on the podcast is basically how much everybody loves our industry and all of the people in it. And just the way that everybody relates with each other and is honest with each other. And just, yeah, so I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and this just you know basically that th- that theme of basically trying to connect with people and then trying to you know take it deeper with those where you click with and who want to take it further that has always been basically my journey and you know there's I mean Tom Husing who was initially uh, I hired him as uh, an in-lab territory manager uh, and he then became our national sales manager at in-lab. He's now general manager of Adide USA, and he's just mm-hmm. killing it for them. And basically trying to do the same thing as what we did at the time together. He's trying to connect people, like-minded people, with good intentions and try to help them. Awesome. I know that Serona built quite a following within the lab industry. I don't even know when that started. It had to have been when you came to the U.S., and the MCXL was available. Would you say that's when a lot of that started? No, no, no. It started with the basically with the spin-off of the Serec three milling unit, which was called initially it was called Serec InLab, uh-huh. and then as the MCXL was introduced, uh, maybe five years later or so, then it was referred to as the Compact Mill. Compact. Okay. But all that started basically in in two thousand and one. Uh, here in the U.S. And, you know, it started like, uh, and it started basically with me coming over because I was sent to introduce it and to then kind of lay the, the foundation with, again, I mean, a lot of people like, I mean, Lee Culp was one of the first ones we trained. Uh, Tom Needing, Ed Flock, and Lindy Sykes. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I know all those guys. <laughs> yeah, right? They're all people who were initially involved in in that and everybody kind of you know it's a big mosaic there's no no claim to fame for one person alone this has been a journey over so many years now and everybody contributed a little bit here and a little bit there but always because they felt passionate for a certain piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. when you brought it over in 2001 what did competition look like i mean was three shape out was dental wings ExoCAD was all that out? No, no, no. The competitive landscape was pretty much Prosera was kind of the okay, uh, yeah, yeah, still the first one. Then Circon was just getting started, and Circon was the first. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, you know, uh, from today's point of view, uh, you wouldn't even call the Circon system a CAD CAM system because it was basically a pantograph. It was a pantograph to fabricate zirconium oxide. But this was the only way to fabricate zirconium oxide in the early days. And uh, so it was a very 
very good system there. And then, you know, 3M uh, with the Lava system, mm-hmm. they had just acquired ESPY, which originally invented the Lava system. And then in the first couple of years, they didn't really know what to do with the thing. <laughs> and then kind of once they had figured out a, a go-to-market strategy, then 3M with the Lava system, of course, became very, very successful and powerful. We, at the beginning, we didn't have a, a, a zirconium oxide, and it was important to then get a zirconium oxide uh, in addition to the materials that we had. And Vida then came out with their zirconium oxide. We partnered at the beginning all along with, with everything on InLab with uh, Vida. Mm-hmm. And so Vida then came out, but nobody really had zirconium oxide furnaces, right? And so this is then where we said, you know, uh, in order to really get this zirconium oxide going quickly on the in-lab system, on the existing in-lab system that we had, we need two things. For one, we need to enable the laboratories to uh, sinter zirconium oxide. Mm-hmm. That is then when we started Infinident. Infinident initially was just intended to allow, to help laboratories to sinter. Mm-hmm. And then we also, since the the milling chamber was, was very small, and so we, and the zirconium oxide, of course, has its shrinking factor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we then invented the... <laughs> That's actually the only patent that I have in my entire life, but I, I invented the flip block. Wow. <laughs> and, and so the flip block was then basically a block where you could, in the in-lab compact mill, you could mill kind of like three or four unit framework halfway, and then the unit stopped, and then it prompted you to turn around that block and put it back in. Then you could finish the other side. That was kind of funny. You say that's your only patent. Many people don't even have a patent. That's pretty remarkable. <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was that, that, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it was basically Procera, Circon, and Lava, and uh, well, 3M Lava. That was pretty much the competition at the time. But a lot of that was labs outsourcing, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I remember <laughs> Lava. Uh, we used to outsource it. That was a big thing. Exactly, yeah. And and that was, as I say, that was our big opportunity uh, because since Lava, for one, pursued like this this high price strategy, so it was very expensive at the time very, to, yeah. to buy a Lava unit. Um, but at the same time, they also prepared the market. So they did a great job in, you know, raising awareness with the dentists uh, for zirconium oxide. But I mean, you you know you're both lab technicians. Uh, ultimately, a, a lab technician wants to be in control of what they do. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So for that reason, you know, outsourcing is always a great uh, model to get started, to enable somebody. But I would say also always kind of with the goal that at some point, whatever they start gets re-insourced so to say hmm. and yeah and so that's basically then what, what 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 i did i basically went after the the laboratories that were doing zirconium oxide and that were basically uh, looking for more control over the the workflow and the process and mm-hmm. just as it happens you know i mean the laboratories are very very influential when it comes to a script so when the doctor prescribes i want a lava restoration and then you can't really change that unless you you ask the doctor but what you really want is a zirconium oxide restoration, right? Yep. And yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, well, I have exactly a zirconium oxide restoration for you. It is made within lab and it's just as good. 
and mm. basically and at the time i mean all the sucralium oxides were probably from aesthetic and strength reasons very very comparable so that's basically what May laboratories then did they switched from outsourcing to in-house fabrication and this is how we kind of established our footprint but yeah that then led to basically as the footprint grew i wanted to bring that community you know uh, more together so while facebook of course is a nice uh, way of engaging with each other on a daily basis especially when it comes to a, a quick answer to a, a question at hand. Many of the people that we were working with, they also started making friends on Facebook and they were eager to to get to meet each other in person. Mm-hmm. And so this is then when I started the various uh, in-lab summits. So whether they're, they were technical summits uh, and then later on, and this is where you lectured, Elvis, we also introduced the um, the lab marketing summits because mm-hmm. I I still believe that there's a lot of uh, you know need and and desire from lab owners to learn about uh, marketing practices. Of course, the NADL has a great uh, program with uh, the visions meeting that we just had. Yep. That is uh, for lab management, probably more in a broader sense. So I wanted to offer something that is more focused on the actual lab marketing. And that's what we did with these kind of summits and brought people together so that they could engage with each other. Yeah. So I've got a question. So that's basically your whole history. Didn't you allude to the fact that you opened a business or started a new business? Yeah. So while I was at, at Serona, you know, I launched the um, InLab system. We started the Infinident. And then I also launched the Civic Connect, so the digital impression concept or the digital impression workflow sure. for Serona yeah. at the time. And that was in, I think we, we launched this in 2008. And uh, I was totally convinced that digital impressions is going to be the future. And after I developed with our engineers in, in, in Germany that Zurich Connect portal, I said, well, let's start a laboratory. And so Tom Needing and I, Tom Needing is a CDT and uh, he was at the time working at Serona as well as an educator. He and I, we then started Denta Trust. And the Denta Trust was the first digital workflow laboratory. While we were small, we had about 100 cases a month. Mm-hmm. We were 95% uh, digital only. So everything that we had was um, basically coming in through Serona Connect, through Serec Connect. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was a great uh, a way for me to have my first entrepreneurial experience. Um, that was in 2009, 10, 11. And that was also during the crisis. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, while I continued to believe that this digital impressioning is really the future, we did not have the pockets in order to really blow this up. We did not have the, uh, the, the funding to really blow this up at a time. So we were, in order to really grow, continue to grow at the pace that we wanted to grow, we were basically forced to, we would have been forced to take on much more analog business than what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And at that time we said, you know, let's, continue with what we've been doing. And that basically was for me. I said, hey, I'm going to go back to Serona and continue to grow in lab. Uh, Tom Needing, he continued the laboratory and then a more, more on, a law, on a smaller basis. However, probably had this all been maybe three years later, probably would have seen faster growth and probably yeah. also easier access to funding. But because of that, I said, you know, you need to enjoy what you do. 
and uh, you need to stay true to yourself. And I want the digital workflow. And so I said, let's continue to digitize laboratories with uh, Serona. And that's what I did for up until 2019. Wow. And in 2019, I left Dense Serona because I believe that now was the right time to, to become again an entrepreneur. And now I own Grow3x. And Grow3x kind of continues my story of the digital workflow in a sense that we are basically a reseller that tries to grow small and medium-sized laboratories businesses. So what does this mean? This means that we have a whole bunch of digital workflow supplies, but we don't really want to work with everybody. We want to work with the people who, again, try to engage with each other kind of on this relationship basis uh, uh-huh. that I mentioned earlier. And so what we do at, at Grow3x is we, we basically aim for a small group of people that wants to go deep and wants to grow, engage with each other in order to grow each other's businesses. Hmm. What we do is we offer like the lowest prices in general, and we offer access to various offerings that laboratories don't necessarily have access to. So for instance, we have like a design and fabrication service for dense plastic carbon printed digital ventures, because we believe that most people cannot really access, you know, this is kind of similar as what we said earlier about the sequinium oxide. Most people currently cannot really access the digital dentures through carbon by owning their own carbon system. So sure. uh, we provide them access through that. But most importantly, and, and this is uh, where I believe that the real power of uh, Growth3x comes in. Most importantly, we provide some digital workflow solutions that are exclusively for Growth3x family members. So, so while we are selling to everybody, so our zirconium oxide, our adite zirconium oxide, our burrs, our now we also have partnership with ShadePack, all these things we sell to any laboratory at probably the lowest prices that you can find in the U.S. However, GrowthX family members, they, they, a lab can choose to become a family member by basically uh, just signing up for the program, and they then get an additional 10% discount. But in addition to the 10% discount, they also get access to offerings that are only available to them. Specifically, we are right now in the process of launching the Grow3x Digital Impression Unit. This comes back to my experience with launching Serona Connect, having a digital uh, impression laboratory. Now, Grow3x is launching their own digital impression unit, and we are launching the Grow3x Aligner. We're launching a Grow3x clear liner that only goes to Grow3x family labs. Wow. My understanding is that the laboratory is typically excluded from uh, the aligner business. Either companies go directly to the dentist or lately we've even seen a trend where companies go directly to the patient. Yeah. Um, my goal with Grow3x is whatever we do, we always do in order to strengthen the laboratory and their dentists. So... For instance, when it comes to these Grow3x aligners, a Grow3x family lab can receive, you know, their digital impressions from the various digital impression services that are out there, whether this is from Densply Serona or from MyTero or you name it, any name, any mm-hmm. Medit, uh, you name the system or now going forward also the Grow3x DI unit. But um, they can then upload these files and basically facilitate uh, the planning 
uh, a process. We do the, treat, the treatment planning. In the end, the doctor basically has access to the, to the treatment plans. They, they can approve the, the proposal. Then this goes into fabrication. And then the aligners, they get shipped to the laboratory. And the laboratory then ships them to the doctor. Huh. And uh, this will always be this model. So our plan is always to strengthen the laboratory, whether it is through reduced pricing, as what I said earlier, whether it is through providing access to business opportunities that they otherwise may have difficulties in getting to, uh, like the digital dentures that I mentioned, or now the aligners and the Growth3x DI units. So how does a lab become a member of Growth3x? What are the qualifications? Can any lab join? Any lab can join, and there's two ways. You can either go to the Growth3x.com website, Mm -hmm. um, and there is a section called the Growth3x family. And you can join the Growth3x family either through buying the membership, which is $1,000 a year, or you can sign up for free. And as long as you buy consumables of at least $1,000 a month from Growth3x, then you have a free membership. Wow, that's a good deal. I was just looking on your website and taking a look at all the laboratories that are um, family labs, and it's a pretty big list. It's growing, yeah. And and the goal, of course, is that as we grow and as we are getting into these offerings that are also now going to, to dentists, we will also engage more in basically marketing these services for the growth family labs. So one of our initiatives is that as we are now rolling out the aligners, that we create an, an umbrella campaign to raise awareness for the aligners uh, with dentists and, of course, funnel this business then to the Growth3x family labs. I'm assuming that's taken off for you, correct? The aligner business? We are in the soft launch phase right now. So mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, already done a, a good bunch. However, so far only through pilot labs. On next month, on May 15th, we have the Growth3x family summit in which we introduce the aligners and the Growth3x digital impression unit to, I think it's 10, 11 laboratories from the Growth3x family. We'll meet in Marietta, California at AA Dental Academy. So Frankie Acosta, he owns AA Dental Academy and he has been doing digital workflow education like for, for the longest time. We are very, very close partners. He just bought and just received delivery of 12 Growth3x digital impression units. So his entire academy is set up with Growth3x digital impression units. And, and basically, this is where we're going to introduce the offering, the scanners, and the aligners to uh, the Growth3x family members. And we will continue to expand this through Growth3x family members. So I believe it is important to have a controlled rollout. So mm-hmm. I believe it is important that we teach the laboratories what the benefits and, and how of the the entire offering are and, and how the workflows work. And then basically as we onboard those laboratories that we expand to the next group. But I think for us, quality and depth is much more important than volume. Yeah. Mm. I've just heard that the aligner business everywhere is just taken off. That's why my curiosity was. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I have no doubt because the initial feedback we're getting from our dentists is spectacular because what I'm trying to do with the Growth3x aligner is that, you know, normally when you have these kind of third-party offerings, it's kind of a, hey, we want to be cheap and we want to be b- better than others. Uh, and that usually is at the cost of, of the quality. 
Yeah. What we are doing is it's actually a premium. It's actually a premium aligner because we are using Zendura, which is a very, very high quality material. And we're using, so our treatment planning team sits in Europe. And as you know from probably your other experience, many European approaches to medical and uh, dental also is of much more, uh, let's call it minimal invasive yeah. Um, necessarily US-based ones. And so the initial feedback that we got from the from the doctors was that, oh, you're actually using more aligners uh, because you're taking smaller steps. And uh, while we don't want to get into orthopedic, uh, in, into orthodontic, so that you would, we don't really want to, you know, treat like the three-year patients. Sure. Uh, we want to go after like a 12-month month treatment plan. That's what we want to go after so that it is overseeable that we get patient compliance, uh, but we also want to obtain the patient appliance by not inducing too much pain. Yeah. And by, smaller, by smaller moves, we believe that we're going to have uh, more patient compliance. And if patients comply, then I, I believe the doctors and the laboratories and everybody is much more happy. Are the aligners printed or are they no, you print a no, model? No, no, at this point, they're not. Yeah, the, the model is yeah. printed. They are not printed. Uh, they are basically, it's a suck down. Yeah. Wow. So I noticed you guys also do design services. So do you do those only with, maybe I need to step away from thinking of you and Serona only. I mean, you guys must design for all the systems. Yeah. So basically we, we need an STL file. Yep. And with the STL file, we can design, currently we focus uh, on yeah digital dentures. We, we focus on digital dentures, on night guards, on like, Trilord frameworks. We've just recently uh, opened up to, you know, bread and butter crown and bridge work as well. Mm. Um, again, this design service and the fabrication service is yet again another one of these things where I believe, you know, we want to enable laboratories to to just do better business. I'm a firm believer. You know, many years ago at the NADL Visions meeting, um, there was uh, Michael Garber was speaking. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Garber is the author of the E Myth, and the E Myth oh, yeah. main takeaway is work on your business and not in your business. And uh, so my guideline for the uh, Growth3x offering is also that I want to have offerings that, that that allow the laboratory to work more on their business as opposed to in their business. Uh, while anybody nowadays can do, you know, uh, single unit crown designs, bridges, complicated things. Man, many people have the skills and expertise. The question is just, is it the most effective uh, use for your time? And so this is where we want to provide options. And uh, yeah, so we offer pretty much a broad range of design services. And if people want to, we also fabricate them for them. And they're system agnostic. So whatever system, as long as you send us an STL, uh, we can work with you. Yeah. I was at that marketing summit when you had that East Smith guy there. Still have the signed copy of his book. It was a great, great presentation he put on. Yeah. So if somebody sends you the STL file, you design it, mill it, and send it back, whether it's um, Zirconia or Emacs, and then they finish it? No. So for the most part, so what we do is we either design from your skin mm-hmm. and send back the design, or we fabricate from your design and ship back the fabricated crown, denture, whatever it is, or we do both. Wow. So, so you can pick and choose what you want. Hmm. 
So materials are zirconia and Emacs for the most part, like multi-layer zirconia, you do all of that? At this point, our main business is actually, when it comes to fabrication, is digital dentures. Okay. So we got a lot of requests for the carbon printed digital dentures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, very sense. popular. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And when it comes to crown and bridge, uh, then it's more like the design service. Okay. Um, yeah. We've had uh, maybe a couple of trilor cases, but that people wanted to design. Uh, but when it comes to crown and bridge, it's, ma- it's mainly that people want us to design for them, and they didn't mill in house. So, do you have an actual physical lab there in Charlotte doing all this work? No, no. Because again, coming back, everything that Grow3x does is based on my friendships and relationships that I've made throughout you know, the 30 years that I've been in dental. Yeah. Uh, my most important you know, partners are Frankie Acosta in, in Marietta, California, Sasha, the Venetian harvest. Yeah. He's been a great, great friend and, uh, and supporter. Uh, I carry harvest products at Grow3x as well. Tom Husing at Adite. Our printing products, they are uh, Pro3Dure. Uh, Martin Clare, he's like, he's a German developer that when we first launched the Cerec Connect models at Infinident, he was the engineer at Dreve at the time from an audiology company who developed the resin for us. He then left that company and, and started his own Pro3Dure medical company. And this is where we source our, our resins. So everything that we do is through partnerships because, you know, we cannot and we don't want to be everything for everybody, but we want to partner with those who can. So who can, who are experts in what they do, our designs. So uh, we have a, dis, a design team in Chile. It is led by a prosthodontist who has a team of designers Wow. Um, our fabrication happens at AA Dental Design in Marietta, California. So, yeah, I mentioned before, uh, we have our own line of burrs, uh, Grow3x burrs for the in-lab system, for Roland, for, for any uh, system that is out there. However, we brand them on the Grow3x, uh, but we partner with people who know, who really know how to make burrs because they do it for the big, big labs in the U.S. Yeah. Um, they're very well experienced. And we just started a partnership with ShadePeg. That's a niche product, but I think it's a very cool product. We are we are branding it now also on the Grow3x, but it is basically fabricated by ShadePeg. Adam Crone is another one of our partners, and he had a very beautiful invention here. The same with the aligners. The aligners, we, we partner with a company that does thousands of aligners uh, on, a, on a monthly basis, but we, we brand it and we... We make it our own and the same with the DI unit. You know, we have the Grow3x DI unit is not, we don't have a fabrication here, but we partner with people who know how to make DI units. It is made in the USA with my experience through Serona uh, and the various basically laboratories that I've been working with. I can qualify technology either through myself or through the partners. Uh, And so therefore we pick great partnerships who for one have the engineering background, but also the emotional passion in order to to grow a business and a market and to, to work with each other. Yeah, Growth yeah. Mix is a, is a brand that partners with proven and solid dental solutions. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like you put together a nice little, and I like how you call it family. Yeah, <laughs> me too. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Awesome, Norbert. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. That's a great story, and I love hearing what you're doing with the Grow3x. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share my story. It's It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Great story. Can't wait to see you again sometime when we start getting <laughs> yeah, out there. sometime soon. Yeah. Yes, exactly, right? Have you guys already been vaccinated? Fully, fully vaccinated. Good. Good, Good for you. <laughs> I'm a no. I'm going to get my second one next week. Awesome. Well, Norbert, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Whitmix is now providing its milling customers with Prima milling tools. The high-performance milling tools engineered specifically for rolling mills. This new tool range outperforms the competition. The results show that not only does the tool last 29% longer than most others, their precision creates a pinpoint accuracy ensuring a perfect fit for the patient. Whitmix's own digital technical support team said, quote, The tools are a drop-in replacement for rolling tools so there's no need to make changes to the software to accommodate them. All of the Prima tools seem to have an exceptional life and produce a great surface finish. We recommend switching to them. The uncoated tools save up to 40% per restoration over the market leaders, but you can now save 20% on these great tools through January 10th, 2021. To take advantage of this offer, visit whitmix.com or call 1-800-626-5651. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Huge thanks to Norbert for coming on our podcast and talking about all of the amazing things that you're doing. Super great to see people from our industry take on new challenges, but also to make sure they focus on helping labs, which is important since I work for a lab. Be sure to check out grow3x.com to find out more about how Norbert and his company can help your lab succeed. There's still two more episodes left in the month to celebrate Dental Technician and CDT Appreciation Month. So let's keep them coming and don't let this year's celebration pass you by. Remember, send them to info at voicesfromthebench.com. And that's all we got for you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Want to be on the podcast? Yeah. Eh. <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs>